Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Drop your shoulders, take a breath, tune in to how you feel, because it's time to stretch. This season is here because of the support of Vitabiotics, our season four sponsor. From pregnant care to well kid, well woman and well man, they have a product range to support us throughout every stretch of family life. Firstly, a moment to recognise the immense reaction to last week's episode with Sinead de Butler, all about the fourth trimester matrescence, first-time motherhood stretch. The messages that poured in from women expressing the relief they felt from listening, who sent it to their partners to help express how they have been feeling, who just needed this episode to help them. No others had gone through what they had gone through was immense. And I know how much it supported my guest, as it takes courage to share these sides of ourselves. In contrast, this week, it's one that I know that many won't have lived. But it is one I know many will want to hear, as almost 100,000 people have been following this family's journey and they have fallen in love and in awe of Evie and her worth. Evie's mum, Brana, joins me this week and has trusted me with this chapter of her story, the chapter that includes Evie's passing. It's beautifully told, but do mind your emotional well-being. For those that don't know this gorgeous family, Evie was born with a life-limiting heart defect in 2021. Her prognosis even in pregnancy was never secure, but her fight and her spirit was never in doubt. As her parents cared for her and advocated for her and the Down Syndrome community they were now a part of. In January 2023, a little over six months ago, Brana and Ross were preparing to welcome a new baby when Evie decided it was time to let go and fly home. She had done so well, but it was time. Brana and I spoke a year ago while I was still working for every mum and Evie was about to celebrate her first birthday. But this time we talk about her saying goodbye, about the safe arrival of her little sister Raya just three weeks later and the process of grief and birth. I don't know many women who could have lived this stretch and it is my greatest privilege to sit next to and to listen to Brana as she shares her story. If this conversation supports you at all, please support us back and share with other listeners tagging Stretchmarks podcast. Brana, <laughs> you are here with me in studio. 
Welcome to Stretch Marks Podcast. Thank you. We have spoken before, of course, but not on this podcast. Mm-hmm. We have spoken before, but not together in a room looking at each other, <laughs> seeing the, <laughs> the tears already well up in our eyes. Um, the podcast that I recorded with you before mm. has never left me. Your story has never left me. I have adored watching your little family from afar. And like many, it has broken my heart and it has lifted my spirits. And I just think that you are one of the most phenomenally strong women for all that you do. And I just want to off the bat, just get that out of the way. <laughs> the love bomb I have for you is is outrageous. And I'm just so, so happy that we could, the stars aligned and we could actually sit down together for this one. Yeah. Hello. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> what a couple of years it's been. Yes, <laughs> it really has. And yeah, that, that we Ross and I were talking about this the other day about um, the amount of things that can happen in a very short amount of time for adults. So like you haven't seen your friend in years and they've had children and they've got married or they've, you know, bought a house and you're like, but it's only been two or three years and even when I think about how long me and Ross have been together it's only been what three and a half years I think I don't even know (laughs) um and it is it's just it's and now I'm here and I'm looking back and I'm like how where did that go and what nearly what happened you know yeah um I was completely one of those people that was like working like as a nurse so working like 13 hour shifts or longer um and waiting for the next thing so okay I'll get my three or four shifts on this week and then it's the weekend or not the weekend because we don't really get weekends as nurses but whatever you had planned was coming up and can't wait for that thing okay if I get this shift done and this these few weeks done then it's this thing and focusing on the next the next the next and then like waiting for Evie but also not wanting that time to go. So that's when it started was definitely the pregnancy, like wait, like anticipating her birth and we didn't know what was going to happen, but also being like, okay, but if we just stay here, then we know that she's here and we know that she's safe. And when she was born, that same thing again, like, yes, we want to get her home, but we don't know what's going to happen when we get home. And it was like that each time anything happened, like her admission to hospital and she was in ICU, can we just cling on to this moment? even though we'd love to see what's, you know, in the near future. But that she, (laughs) I think a lot of parents with kids that have Down syndrome or disabilities or, you know, health concerns or anything, probably learn to live more in the present. Um, And we're not waiting on those milestones because we don't know if they're going to come, you know. So, yeah, living in the present, definitely. I was speaking to someone over the weekend. It was really nice. I had a few little kind of snippets of conversations with people. Some people that recognised me and came to talk to me and some people... You were a kaleidoscope. Yeah, kaleidoscope, yeah. yeah. So we did, we got spotted a few times and it was very, really cute actually. There was a little four-year-old boy um, and he said to his mum, he was like, that's Evie's mum and dad. And she didn't even, you know, she hadn't seen us and he recognised us and they came over and said hi. Um, which was really nice. But yeah, so I had a few little conversations with people. Some people just ended up talking to, usually because of Raya, because she's cute. And they're like, oh, your baby is so cute. Um, she is very cute. <laughs> yeah, she is. <laughs> but I was explaining to one woman, and it's something I've 
it's a line that I seem to just use quite a lot because this is exactly how I feel. It's like being plucked out of one reality and just plopped into another one. Like it's there's so many similarities and so many differences, but it's nearly the same timeline because even looking back this time last year, Evie was kind of doing the same developmental things as Raya is doing now. And it's really bizarre. Um, the clothes, so they were both in three to six months. Raya has suddenly just sprouted into six to nine month clothes. <laughs> and she's very quickly going towards bigger. Um, so there's very few outfits I have left to put on Raya mm. now, which is actually really sad. But then there's a few little dresses and things that they'll just be Evie's forever. No one else will probably wear them, you know. But yeah, the 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 whole the whole alternate reality mm. thing is really it really messes with me sometimes. And again, you just you just have to go with it. Um, and there's a comfort in it as well. There's definitely a comfort in it because I suppose all the things that um, all the things that Evie wouldn't have got to do, uh, Raya gets to do, which is hard. But I think it's really important as well. Um, like the festival would have been way too much for Evie. Uh, we we couldn't really bring her away in the van anyway because she was on twenty four hour oxygen. We could have <clears throat> managed the oxygen, but with her CPAP at night time, it has you have to have a power source. Um, so it was unlikely that we would have been able to do that. Um, and whether she would have been comfortable in it or not, you know, it would have been a big thing. Um, although we did speak about probably making all like changing the van around to try and make it work for her um but yeah the festival would have been way too much too way too overwhelming for her um whereas raya was just taking it all in do you know um totally different people the two of them um i wouldn't even say that it had anything to do with evie's diagnosis i just think that's the type of person she was you know she she liked her comforts she mm -hmm. liked to know what was going on whereas i think raya could do anything and she'd just be like woohoo <laughs> You know. She's free and spirited. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Stretched much? Yeah, me too. I can't avoid the parts of life that deplete me. In fact, I adore most of them, like my children and my work. So I'm leaning into discovering how I can best support my energy, my nutritional needs and my well-being for the long term with Well Woman. With vitamins B6, B12 and iron, which contributes to normal energy release, well Woman's safeguards and supports our nutritional needs. This supplement range includes options for vegans and vegetarians, women age 50 plus, or if you are engaging in sports, there's a Well Woman product for us all. With 50 years of innovation in nutritional science, Vitabiotics has been pushing boundaries to help our families feel at their best. With products to suit all stages from preconception, pregnancy, postpartum and family life, with Pregnicare, WellKid, Well Woman and Well Man, Vitabiotics have created a product to suit every stretch of family life. Vitabiotics want to look after you through their supplemental range and by supporting this season of Stretch Marks. Food supplements must not replace a varied and balanced diet and a healthy lifestyle and you should always consult your doctor or pharmacist before using. Let's talk about those two different universes mm. in January. Yeah, again, just so like how how did all of that happen, mm. you know? Um, so just to go back to when Evie was in ICU last Christmas, mm. um, we found out we were pregnant again um, and we lost that baby in March. And we thought, 
at the time because we went for a scan and when when they said there was there was no one in there there was no fetus um it was a mis miscarriage we both kind of just stopped and looked at each other myself and Ross and I said do you think Evie's going to be okay then because we thought we mm. were saying goodbye to her last year um and we feel like we called the baby bear we feel like bear and Evie had an arrangement <laughs> <laughs> a little deal yeah that if one of them wouldn't be okay then the other one would be mm. I know that sounds kind of <laughs> but anyway uh, so when we found out we were pregnant again I did have that kind of reservation of like are we only allowed to have one baby <laughs> um, can only one of them be here at the one mm. time but then the pregnancy went on and that baby was okay because I I think everyone I've spoken to that's had a miscarriage, if they get pregnant again, there's that fear the whole way through. Um, and you had had a lot of fear associated with Evie's pregnancy. So, yeah, exactly. So seeing that pregnancy test, <laughs> yeah. you know, for you and for many, doesn't automatically mean, hooray, we're mm. now here. It, it actually opens the door into a whole new yeah. scenario of anxiety and concern. Mm -hmm, definitely. And then if, if you are lucky enough to have that other child that you are looking after, then I feel like... A lot of the time I was so focused on Evie and her health needs that I really forgot about being pregnant, mm. you know, and it was a nice little thing at night. I'd be like, oh, hi, do you know, and I'd have that little connection with Raya Um, Evie would be asleep and I'd be like, hello, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, But yeah, so <laughs> the guilt already. Like, <laughs> I know. Yeah, I am so sorry for ignoring you, second child. <laughs> Here we go already. <laughs> oh, um. And then, so Evie was great. So she, her heart condition meant that if it didn't get fixed, then her lungs would get damaged. Mm -hmm. So her lungs started to get more and more damaged. But the doctors that we had asked the second opinion for, there's so much to my story. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just, um, they had said that she would have a honeymoon period, which is basically where from the outlook, she would be doing great health wise you know she'd, she'd have more energy she'd she'd look better her pallor and like everything would would be great um and then she would we'd slowly start to de to see a decline so Evie definitely was in that honeymoon period last summer and we we had spoken just before her first birthday yeah which was amazing we, yeah. we had a big garden party and everything um but as but you really didn't know if you'd get to and, and no I remember the synchronicity of timing even then mm. that we had recorded and it was going out actually yeah. on her birthday yeah. and that was not planned and it was a that milestone was for you that you never knew you would see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we really didn't. We we There was so many bumps along the way that kind of pointed towards not seeing her first yeah. birthday. Um, so that was incredible. Uh, and it was the party was on the day before her birthday. So the next day was her birthday and we just spent it with her. And it was really nice because the house was so busy. <laughs> so it was nice to have that that downtime. Um, but yeah, so then like she was doing great. She was really well and her appointments were going well. Her 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 heart scans and everything. Um, they, they, they were unchanged. We didn't expect them to get any better, but they didn't get any worse. Um, and then as the, the months kind of went on, she she started to show signs of kind of deterioration. Um, and the the appointments, yeah, they kind of got more challenging because obviously the journey from Sligo down to Dublin was was a big one. Um, and her palliative care team hadn't been involved since April. They were there in the background if we needed them and they'd check in with us and everything. But she hadn't had she hadn't had any of the medication or anything. 
Um, and then in December, she just there was a few little things that I was like, OK, I think we're going to have to get them back on the scene. And I didn't really want to think about what that meant. I thought maybe it would just be a blip because um, she'd done it before. Mm. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so obviously I'm getting more and more pregnant um, and her she started to have these desaturation episodes which were really frightening um, because they'd sometimes they would be because of a reason, you know, she'd be so tired or, you know, she'd, she'd you know, kids accidentally hurt themselves or, you know, you'd hit her arm mm. off the off the door frame by accident or anything. So she would have these episodes and um, the way I kind of felt or looking like reflecting on it, I felt that I was almost on the outside looking at me and Ross and Evie Um you know, basically saving her because if we didn't do anything, she would have died then, you know. Um, and we're both very, I don't know what word you'd use to describe us. We're both very determined and we're both quite private despite having a very open, mm. you know, life on Instagram. Um, we don't want the outside help, if okay. that makes sense. And that's not any badness to anyone else. It's just we know what we're doing and we work well as a team. Yeah. So... It was never, we didn't ever want it to be anyone else's responsibility, you know, for, for the scary parts of Evie's health. Um, so we managed all of that ourselves. Um, but yeah, so I would, de uh, I would remember feeling like this bump and this belly was non-existent. It didn't mm. exist. Like the adrenaline would take over um, and we would do what we had to do, uh, you know, to get her comfortable and to get her safe and that it just ramped up <laughs> it really ramped up um she had a good christmas day which was amazing as well because we didn't get to spend christmas properly as a family the year before because uh, she was in icu and it felt strange and we didn't want to mm. you know we didn't really want to think about it being christmas um so we had a really nice christmas day with evie and um a few friends and family as well and she did really well, like, because she she wasn't great then. Um, I've had a few people. I I feel like sometimes, you know, when you share your life on Instagram, people feel that they can ask you anything. Mm. Just write a message yeah. and say, what happened here? What 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 did you do here? What yeah, happened? it's not a plot line. No, it's not you know? a plot line. And it makes me really uncomfortable because I've chosen to share what mm. I'm sharing. Mm. And if I chose to not share anything ever again, do you know, mm. that would be my choice. Um so I find it really hard, but I know a lot of people were so invested in her life. They also wanted to know about her death. Um, and I would be quite open to that. I worked um, as a nurse and worked with palliative patients. And death can be beautiful, mm. as beautiful as birth can be. Um, and I like to think that Evie's death was that. You know, I think we achieved something that a lot of people don't get the chance to. Um which is really incredible. We we wanted her to be at home. We wanted her to feel safe with the two of us. We didn't want anyone else to be there. Um, it was nice having palliative care in the background again, like I said. Um, but we, we managed that. Um, and it was really hard. But we had a really beautiful last weekend with her, you know. Um, and she, like always, just showed us the way. Like, I felt like she was always guiding us um even though she was only teeny tiny <laughs> she seemed so wise you know she, so and wise i i host another podcast for childhood cancer ireland mm. and i talk to parents 
about bereavement and about palliative care and about loss. And something that I'm hearing and, and feeling from you now is something similar there. Well, they, they really feel like their children know more than we do. Yeah. Whether they, they can articulate or communicate it or not. But from the moment that they were put on this earth, they came down with so much more knowledge yeah. than those that have walked it for 30, 40, 50, 60 years. Yeah, I think so, definitely. And I like, again, I don't know what what it is. I think yeah. we'd be naive to think there wasn't anything. Um, I've never been religious. I wasn't brought up religious. I don't even know if I'm really that spiritual, but I feel like I am more now. Um, and I do. I feel, Like I said about Bear and Evie, I do think they know so much more. And even if they don't, if we think that and it gives us comfort, Absolutely. I think that's just as important. Um, I really do. But yeah, then with... Um, it's a it's a hard one because I could go on and on and on. I could talk for days about that last weekend with Evie. Mm. Um, and I'd love to. <laughs> but there's also like a niceness in mm. us just knowing about it. You it's know? precious. Yeah, it is. You gave her everything. Mm. You gave her such comfort. Yeah. You know, we all saw how you cared for her, <laughs> like how you cared for her. And even the fact that you were a nurse mm-hmm. perhaps was part of the plan, part of the story that you could be the person to jump in when she was having those mm-hmm. those moments where care was required. Mm-hmm. But knowing, I suppose, how you articulated and communicated your awareness that it was probably close to the end, you brought such beauty and dignity to it. Yeah. And from an observer, and again, I would never inject myself into someone's <laughs> shoes because I haven't walked them mm-hmm. but you brought such beauty and serenity and grace to something that can be filled with such fear mm. and I think a lot of I think that's why people were so invested I think that's why because death will come in all shapes and forms mm-hmm. for us along this life and we need to see it as a release and as a letting go and it can be soft yeah Yeah. because I think that death to us is just whatever Hollywood blockbuster presents it to be yeah exactly yeah no you're so right Um, I've I've had a lot of experience with death um, which I feel like is a privilege that a lot of people don't Mm. get to experience maybe they get to experience it once maybe it's really horrendous and they have so much trauma from it Um. But my my dad died when I was nine and it took me 10 years to be able to speak about him. Mm. I couldn't talk about him. I felt angry. Um, It was suicide and I was never angry at him. I was angry about the rest of the the um, the events that kind of happened around it. And I was a child and part of me didn't really understand it, but part of me did. And yeah, it took me it took me until his tenure um, anniversary to realize that I could be okay <laughs> with mm-hmm. it and I could potentially help people if they were going through something similar um, not the reason I went into nursing but when I was working as a nurse I definitely gravitated towards the palliative care side of things because there's there there is the beauty there mm. is the beauty of knowing that you're going to die soon and your family knowing that you're going to die soon. Um, 
and having that time because that's all we have is time, isn't it? Uh, whether it's short or long. Um, so it's to, it's to have that time. And like you said, it is scary. It's scary being left behind. Um, it's potentially easier on the person that is dying because, you know, they, they, they aren't left without them. Mm. <laughs> um, and it, yeah, I think I, I definitely held on to a lot of that um, of that peace and like you said serenity around when someone dies um, and when Evie was dying I I was kind of verbalising to Ross what to expect because he's never experienced death mm. that closely before he's you know he's had grandparents that have died um, and he's never been with someone when they're dying um, and I did I, I kind of just <laughs> gave him a few little not I don't want to use the word warnings <laughs> um I uh, expectations guidance. guidance of of what might potentially happen you know um and she did she she went so peacefully um she she <laughs> I listened to her heart um when she just just when she was dying um and it was always boom 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 flying along um and I just bent down and listened and it was so peacefully slow. Um, not okay for a baby's heart to be that slow, but <laughs> as she was dying, it just got more and more slow. And it it was like she just, you know, she just mm. faded away. Um, and it was so peaceful. It was. Um, and it was really nice because we got to take off her, her oxygen, her mask, her tubes her NG tube everything came off and it was just her her little face and Ross said she looks like she did when she was a newborn she just because she had just taken this kind of jump for the last few months I feel like she was really trying to show her show us what she would be like as a little girl she went from this little <laughs> squidgy baby to a little girl yeah. um and when after she had died she just looked so peaceful and just like like she did when she was really small um really at rest she'd worked so hard that's what we told her we said you've done everything that you could have done and it's okay to go now you know <laughs> which is the most selfless thing because we want them to stick around yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know um, absolutely she had done you know she had showed her worth yeah <laughs> she had showed thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people her worth mm -hmm. She really did. She did such an amazing job. I know. I, I obviously. <laughs> she, she <laughs> you'd have there. You'd a part to play in it. <laughs> the odd time. <laughs> but that was her again. It was her guiding me. Um, I feel anyway. Uh, just because I think people, if you don't know about something, then you can't have an opinion on it. Yeah. And plenty of people do have opinions, but it's ignorance. And we all have ignorance. We all have things that we don't know about. And maybe we don't want to know about. That's fine. <laughs> but um, I feel like Instagram is a really nice platform because you're going to find your community um, and you're going to find who, who you want to find. You're going to find people that relate to you. So the Down syndrome com community is huge on Instagram. It's massive and it's amazing because you meet so many different people from all around the world, different stories. Um. But then you also get people that have maybe kids that have a different 
uh, genetic condition. So they're kind of linked in. But then you just get people that are just living their life, scroll, scrolling through Instagram, and they see a cute baby and they're like, oh, that's nice. And they go onto your page. And then they open themselves up to this whole other world that they didn't know about. Yeah. And that's going to impact them in their <laughs> real life when they meet people that are different from them, you know? So I feel like it is really important. Um, I know a lot of people have kind of issues over like should children be shown on the internet and should this and you know things like that all always um but I think I don't know it just felt like the right thing to do the whole way through and I said to Ross I was like if it ever feels like it's the wrong thing to do I'm just not going to do it anymore um but yeah just showing people about Evie's life and how I don't think I have the focus wasn't always on down syndrome it was also on just a little girl <laughs> living her life <laughs> but, it, but it it was about not not living you know what I mean it, a diagnosis of anything regardless of Down syndrome a diagnosis of limited life mm. can still bring joy and fun and laughter and experiences and you can still you know even with all of the limitations regarding her oxygen or you know there was just such simplicity in yeah but let's just dip her toes into the water (laughs) yeah you know just do the things that you would do just do those little things Mm. and I think regardless of where you are in health or in parenting or in life we need more reminders that actually that's that's really what living is. That's the beauty of life. You don't have to jet to Orlando <laughs> on a three week vacay yeah. to be demonstrating that, you know, this is this is family life. It's like, yeah. no, just yeah. dip their little toes in a lake. <laughs> Bring them on a van trip, even if you're not going to stay there. Just go anyway. Just go and just live. And we only have today. For all of us, we don't know. Yeah. You did know. You knew that this day would come. Yeah. At some point. Mm -hmm. Many people don't know. Yeah. But it's not guaranteed. It really isn't. No. And I I feel like Ross and I have discussed, obviously, we we talk about everything, um, whether it's a, a thing that we think we should talk about or not. We We say it all. But we, and I I feel like I have to, I feel like I want to be very careful around this because, like I said, everyone's experience of death is so different and it can be so traumatic. But we, we were given, I think we were given the gift of being able to grieve for Evie while she was still here. Mm. Um, and that can be a difficult thing to do because... You can allow it to, you can let it consume you. Um, But if you don't, uh, that anticipatory grief is what they, is what it's called, apparently. I've been looking into it. Um, And it's almost like a form of healing before that person has left you. Mm. Um, And I think we were both open to it. Uh, It would be very easy to just close it off and think, nope, that's not going to happen. Which is the way some people deal with it. And that's why I feel like I sometimes want to be careful around it because... Everything that I say is purely my experience. Yeah. I don't push, you know, I don't want to push what I feel. And Here's what experience. grief is. Yeah, Here's exactly. how you should feel. Yeah, because that just, is, that's not. Yeah. It's we, not life. No, exactly. Um, so, yeah, that whole that whole thing of, uh, 
of doing all of the things. Um, I feel like if you don't know what's, if you don't know death is coming, then it's really easy to forget to do the little things. Mm. Whereas I think with, with our situation, we made sure to, <laughs> I don't know, to just do all of the silly little things that we wanted to do. Whether bring her up a mountain or, you know, bring her to the sea, and and um, and we got to do all of that with that grief kind of in the background. Um, I've spoken to a lot of people who have suddenly lost their children and I don't know if I would be able to mm. to get through that. I think we were in a very unique position um, and the whole journey with Evie kind of made us stronger, I think, mm. for the inevitable. When the inevitable arrived, it came at another particularly universally. Yeah. <laughs> oh, just the the sliding doors moment of life. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? Where you said goodbye to Evie mm-hmm. and you said hello to your new baby. Yeah. Um it was it was that Thursday uh, when she really deteriorated. Um well she had been shown as signs for a while, but I was thirty eight weeks pregnant and I went to my clinic appointment and I'd been seeing the midwife the whole way through. So this day I was seeing um, my consultant who I knew from work and thought she was amazing. I was delighted when I heard it was her that I was getting because I was aiming for a VBAC as well. Um, and I think that's when I realised that they weren't going to meet Evie and Raya because I was trying to figure out how I was going to work. Having my baby, hopefully with a VBAC, um, a vaginal birth after cesarean for anyone that doesn't know what that means um, and also trying to look after our daughter who was dying um, and I just had this absolute outburst with of, of, of emotion and grief mm-hmm. with my consultant um, and she just she she was dumbfounded she didn't know what to say or what what plan we could make that was going to make this work because I basically said to her if Evie's still here and I go into labour I can't leave her we're going to be in the house and that's just how it's going to happen <laughs> um jokingly said would you not come over yeah <laughs> please <laughs> um so we made our plan anyway and but i i i would i would not i like how could you leave her yeah exactly. there's no there's no other no that's just not happening and that was part of our whole like we we had we we had never laid out this is the plan for when evie dies because you don't i don't know it just wasn't something we wanted to do but we knew what what our goal like our goals it sounds so weird to say goals <laughs> I know what you mean though like we knew what we what way what the wanted. intention around yeah. the event would be yeah and Evie going into hospital wasn't a part of that plan yeah absolutely not so I mean some you know some people were trying to be helpful and were saying could Evie not go to peds with Ross and you go into maternity and that just wasn't no. part of it <laughs> we were staying at home and that was it so 38 weeks, I was like, OK, I feel like we're safe enough here mm. um, not to go into labour while it's happening. Um, and also, I definitely had this thing around the adrenaline. Um, mm. Hormones are why mm. we go into labour. Mm-hmm. So and adrenaline is one of the hormones that it can stop it. that and block it. Yeah, mm. um, I really didn't think it was going to happen. <laughs> and it, I think you feel like your body was holding. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I definitely do. And whether Ryan knew it or not, again, um, 
don't come now. It yeah. probably wouldn't be a good idea. <laughs> no, it's a little inconvenient. <laughs> yeah, it just... <laughs> I know you'd like to meet your sister. <laughs> but yeah, no, it did. It, 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 I kind of had... I don't know. Yeah, but our bodies take over. Yeah, I think so. Mm. Which is really lucky. <laughs> um, but then it was... Yeah, the whole time... So there was three weeks between them. Evie died very, very early Monday morning. She died at ten past three. Um, and Raya was born at 3.40, three weeks after on the Tuesday. So three weeks and one day. Um, and another, I need to think of a different word other than goal. <laughs> In my plan was to let my body go into labour naturally. Yeah. I didn't want an induction. I had one with Evie. I didn't have a very nice experience with it ended up in an emergency c-section so I did that was absolutely not happening for me um if anything I would have another c-section uh so we went to 40 weeks and of course they want you know they're kind of like they're getting concerned then it's kind of you know um my consultant being the woman that she is amazing um she was kind of okay to go for the 10 days so I was Mm -hmm. like cool we've got you know we have time here my dates were slightly earlier so to me Raya was born at 42 weeks but with their dates she was born at 41 plus 5 so I again I felt like I had that extra bit of leeway mm-hmm. um, but the three weeks and I spoke to you um, on the Every Mum podcast mm-hmm. about not having a baby in the house um, and I feel like when I spoke to you that time I knew that that was going to happen mm-hmm. um, I listened back on it the other day and I, I, I just said to myself you knew that that was that was going to be the way um, not having a baby in the house and I having all this I think we all have instincts stuff. though I think yeah it's strange isn't it yeah. if you actually tune in and listen yeah it's it's there <laughs> um, so yeah that was a really strange time and we were devastated obviously uh, but we still had to prepare to meet Raya and again going into labour you don't know what's going to happen either so you have that very very deep down fear for me like it, I would never let it surface that what if we don't get to keep her as well yeah. you know so that was a really really hard time those three weeks between um, they're on the thoughts of any woman who's approaching that due mm. date especially as she's going over mm. and she's advocating for herself because there's yeah. always an element of doubt when you're you're like I want this but why are the experts telling me that yeah. this is potentially dangerous and yeah. It's it's very hormonally fueled and it's the most survivalist we will ever be as mm. humans. Yeah. I think that that physical initiation of birth and we go all primal and <laughs> yeah. because it's it's I um I need to make this child survive. Yeah. And you had just lost a child. Yeah, that we were it, it, it's keeping a com- alive. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a complete storm. Mm, yeah, um, it was. And I, I just just because you said that there about it being a really primal state and probably when you're at your fiercest. Mm. And I wonder how I would have grieved differently if I wasn't pregnant at that time um, after losing Evie. How, how so? How do you... Just think it would I, have been different. I wonder if that, um, if that like <laughs> primal state, if if we want to call it that, kind of protected me a bit. Mm. Maybe I don't know. You uh, had to something to survive for. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we both, Ross and I, both had that. We've had it multiple times where 
if we, we we've said and it sounds so morbid and it is that if Raya wasn't here we wouldn't have anything to be here for mm-hmm. <laughs> um so yeah she's quite incredible without leaning on her and we don't we just enjoy her she has no idea how much healing she has brought us I don't know if she'll ever understand it. Maybe she will when she has kids. <laughs> if she has kids. Yeah. <laughs> um I I it, it and I it's nice now feeling the way I do because and this again I think a lot of women might experience this was an utter detachment from her when she was born. Mm. Um so went into into labor myself which was great because that's what I had wanted. Um and we went, we stayed at home and I laboured all night and it was really lovely. I had a doula and she came over as well. And then we kind of made the call to go in because they're a bit antsy about uh, uterine ruptures, <laughs> which, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're allowed to be. Yeah. <laughs> so we came, we went into the hospital and things weren't progressing as they would like. Um, so the call was made to go for a C-section which I was really deflated about. Mm. Um, that's all I could really think about was how deflated I was about it. But also vaginal labour takes a certain energetic requirement. Yeah, I think that, I had it. I was okay. definitely geared up for it. Mm. Um, I had really enjoyed uh, labouring at home. And I yeah. was, that. I think that's why I was so deflated because I was like, no, I, I can, can do this. I can do this. And you're kind of taking that opportunity away from me. Mm. But when it comes to the safety of your baby, yeah, it's really hard to say no or to, you know, in the context ask for more of this time. Yeah. Moment. Yeah. And having had a previous high risk pregnancy, high risk birth, that was, you know, and I trust, I do trust my consultant, mm. which is a nice thing. Um, but what, when we were going up and I had the spinal and Ross wasn't allowed in until, you know, they're basically making the incision, yeah. which was really hard because we had literally been stuck to each mm. other stuck to each other I mean we we went to the toilet together after Evie died we would go up and down to the kitchen together we literally were stuck together so being separated then was so difficult Um, and I just kind of went inside Mm. but not even like consciously inside I kind of just wasn't there it was kind of like a I'll just wait here you take my body and do what you Mm. what you need to do with it Um, so when they had us all set up in the theatre and he was back again I just, I, I couldn't connect to what was going on here. I think the sheet doesn't help because you actually don't, you can't feel anything, you can't see anything. It's completely surreal. It's so surreal. Maybe that's why you wanted the vaginal birth, to feel connected to the moment. Possibly, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because it is so out of body mm. anyway, but in that scenario it's even, and so much has been taken out of your control Yeah. over the last few years. Yeah. I think so. And yeah, that that's definitely how I felt that that control was was being taken again. So I did. I just kind of gave up. I was like, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. And and being up all night laboring as well, you you yeah. are exhausted. Yeah. Um so I just asked e- uh Evie. I asked Ross to show me a picture of Evie. And it's the one I don't know if you know it. It's she's wearing a little green jumper dress and she has her hands in the air and a big <laughs> smile. <laughs> um so I just stared at that the whole time. Um and when they took Raya out, they pulled her up over the curtain. My first thought was, whoa, she looks like my dad. <laughs> How bizarre. Uh, Ross said the same thing. And then they took her away because she had meconium, so she had pooped. Mm. Um, they were worried about aspiration. They had to suction her a little bit. 
uh, and they checked her out and everything. And one of my other things that I was really clinging on to was delayed cord clamping. Mm. I really wanted that to happen and they had to cut the cord straight away. And I was devastated about that. I was like, right, that's me. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I don't obviously matter here. Do you know, that's just what was going I through know. my head. Um, so I just kept looking at Evie and... They brought Raya over and they put her on my chest. And this is something I didn't get to experience with Evie because she had to be taken to the NICU straight away. Um, So Raya was on my chest and big eyes opened straight away, looking around, being like, whoa, (laughs) what am I doing? (laughs) What are we doing? (laughs) Um, And there was definitely like that skin to skin connection and just gazing because I've read a lot about actually gazing at your baby and them looking at you and there's so much that happens inside us um to make those connections when we just look at each other and I was doing that um but then she had to be taken away again because I had to go to recovery um I had her in Sligo so that's the way they do it there um and I said to Ross skin to skin when you get to the ward yeah. you know do not let her out of your sight she's yours <laughs> was it different then because you spoke about having to be separated from Ross mm. right beforehand but now that she was here were you like Ross go yeah go, go with her someone is with her I'll be fine because I'm already yeah. detached from the situation anyway yeah. do you know I just was like cool um not cool <laughs> you know no, but... uh so in recovery then um and like I don't know who knew what like you don't know because I used to work there, I don't know who knew me. Okay. I don't know who knew about Evie. So I um, I wasn't going to say anything. So I just kind of was there and they were just going about their their daily day, uh, mm. checking me and, you know, looking at the wound and checking my vitals. Um, So then went back down to the ward and got Raya back and she didn't leave me. <laughs> but I did. I had that complete... I was searching for Evie. Mm. I'd been with her for 17 months, constantly. We'd spent, I think, one, one well, apart from the nights she was in ICU, we spent one night apart. Um, and I was just looking for her the whole time and I just could not recognise this baby, even though she looked like my dad. <laughs> still, <laughs> she still does. Um, I, it, It's such a weird thing yeah. when they get taken out of you um, and you kind of almost don't believe it was the same baby. You're like, how does, how? (laughs) Um, And she didn't look anything like Evie. And Evie was a little girl now and not a newborn baby. So that was all all new again. Um, And it did. It took, oh God, it took me so long. And I feel, I do feel so guilty about it. But I think it's quite normal to not. And I was, I mean, I was breastfeeding her. So we were physically connected and I didn't, you know, I had her on me all the time and I loved her and I was enjoying her. But it was like, an internal thing that she wasn't Evie and I couldn't couldn't oh, understand it. I think we don't prepare ourselves for the birth of subsequent children, especially the second anyway, because yeah. I think we forget that it you have to fall in love with another person. Mm. It's not an extension of the same love. Mm. It is a brand new person and therefore it's the beginning of a relationship with this new person and Mm. it is brand new love that has to be built. Yeah. And created kind of from scratch. You can't just be like. That's a really nice way of thinking about it. Well, I love you, so I have to (laughs) transfer it. Yeah. It's brand brand new love. I love that. I'm stealing that. You can have it. (laughs) That's really nice. And it only begins with you and Raya. Mm. 
on that day in that moment. <laughs> yeah. And we expect to have, you know, the lifetime of love that you had for Evie mm. just, <laughs> you know, <laughs> be born with it. Mm. It doesn't it doesn't happen like that. Yeah, that's really lovely. It's really powerful. <laughs> but you did begin to bond. Yeah, totally. I mean, she <laughs> Evie was my little best friend and she always will have that place. And now I have this little best friend who is so different um, and so fun. She makes me laugh so much. <laughs> she's really hilarious. Um, she's just a really strong little girl um, physically and mentally. And she's so sensitive as well. She has this really, really sensitive side and she's only five months old. And I can just totally see her personality. Yeah. It's amazing. Even from really early on, um, mom, my mum came in the day after she was born into the hospital. And she's, what, not even two days old. She spotted her come in and she watched her go all the way across the room. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> she's so tuned in. Um, and yeah, the whole, the whole grieving thing with having a newborn is mm. crazy. Um and again, this is the way that we have done it, but we have allowed ourselves to grieve and to feel everything because they know, they know, they can pick up on everything. So if you're trying to hide something or suppress something, they're going to pick up on it and they're going to wonder, what is going on here? Is it me? Yeah, is it me? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and I feel like, for us anyway, it, it definitely feels like the right thing to do, that we will openly cry, openly talk, when Raya's there. And usually she'll do something to make us laugh anyway. Do you know? Um, we don't hide anything from her. Uh, and I think that's going to be really important because we don't intend on hiding Evie from her. So by hiding that grief, we're hiding Evie. And the love. Mm. You know, they say that the whole thing of like grief is the the cost of love. Yeah, or the love left behind. Yeah. It's, yeah. If you don't show the grief, then it diminishes the love that you had. Totally. Yeah. I've spoken to quite a few people recently about potentially only uh, learning that they had an aunt or an uncle that had died mm. when they were a child, when the aunt and uncle was a child. And the grandparents never spoke about mm. them, never told the other siblings, um, didn't talk about them. They didn't exist. And I, uh, <laughs> times have changed, <laughs> thankfully. And we're all a lot more open about things now. But God, the pain that those parents must have been yeah. through not having anyone to talk to about it and not being able to talk to anyone about it. I feel like for me, talking and even if it's talking over Instagram, it's not actually <laughs> actually talking. <laughs> it's so healing. Um, it really is. It's been so healing for me is is talking about Evie. <laughs> um, and we don't expect that to ever stop, you know. And it's a strange one for us because when we see people with Down syndrome, and by the way, there was so many people with Down syndrome at the festival and also other people in wheelchairs. And it was amazing. It's it's really inclusive and really accessible, which is great. Um, but we would sort of gravitate towards these people and be yeah. like, hi, you're our, you're our people. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like sometimes I would, you know, take out my phone and show show a picture of Evie because I just want. Not that I need anyone to know that we're we're part of that club, <laughs> but it's it is it's like a it's like a family nearly. Yeah. Do you know? Um, yeah, and it, at the start it was really hard for me. Um, I remember sitting in a supermax um, 
because I was on a I was driving to Galway stupidly with a three week old four week old baby not a good idea <laughs> by myself um, six weeks into grief yeah yeah yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> uh, breastfeeding in public I was like <laughs> so I was sitting there and I was feeding Raya and eating some crappy chips and uh, no offence Supermax <laughs> and this family came in with a little boy who had Down syndrome and they had a little it wasn't the same seat that Evie had but they had their own seat for him because um, we would bring her up seat everywhere with us because it was just great for her um, and they had two other kids and they were just this little family unit and I just sat there and watched them um, and it was really really hard because I was like I in that moment I felt like I'm not in that club anymore even though I know that's not true now but at the time I was thinking oh god I wish I was them do you know that we still had that special person um and I shared about it on my story on Instagram and the mum messaged me uh which was really really lovely she said she was like we were that family and I saw you but I didn't you know want to approach you or anything and she said you know you are still part of of this community oh and it was so nice <laughs> so now I whenever I see anyone with down syndrome and sometimes it's hard um I just think, yeah, we are still there. And we have made so many friends um, who we get to watch grow up as well. And Raya gets to to hang out with them and stuff. And I just think that's so, so nice. Um, it really is. <laughs> it's a really, really special thing. You did live it. Yeah. Mm. She was here. She might not be here anymore, but that still happened. And it is who you are. Yeah. And that doesn't change. Yeah. Yeah, like at the festival being called, like if if someone would notice us, they'd be like, oh, you're Evie's parents or you're Evie's mum and dad. Yeah. And yes, I want to be called Evie's mum forever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care how many kids I have. <laughs> um, it's a really, really lovely you identity. <laughs> you are Evie's yeah. mum. Yeah. You're now Evie and Raya's mum. Yeah. <laughs> but you course. are Evie's mum. Yeah. It is, your identity was formed. Yeah. When she arrived. Mm. And that's... That will never change. And the identity stretch that we carry as mothers is immense. Who we have to transform into depending on what these little people are bringing into our lives. Yeah. And we do have to relinquish mm -hmm. and we do have to kind of sign over all state <laughs> control. <laughs> Definitely. And it is, it's, it's not easy, but they do make us who we are. Yeah. By what they teach us and who yeah. they become and this little stories that they bring us on that we had no idea from, you know, when we peed on that stick <laughs> yeah. where it was going to go. <laughs> yeah. I think there's this whole thing of like um, getting back to who you were. Oh, the bounce back. Don't the bounce yeah. back, yeah, yeah, first yeah. of all. Yeah. But this whole thing of like. Yeah, but we were to be those women. Yeah. Which it, is what why I named it stretch marks because it was about no no we have our hearts ourselves our minds our emotions our everything has mm. been stretched beyond the limits of our ever assumed potential and let's love this because yeah like can we not honour this because <laughs> she has been through yeah exactly so much and we aren't we're never going to be, be the people we used to be I was exhausted after the festival <laughs> I've been to festivals <laughs> before and I was like 
Whew. <laughs> I am not that girl anymore. You were mothering at the festival. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a whole other stretch. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's it's and I feel like I'm I'm so embracing the whole this is my identity. I yeah. love being a mum. I think it's great. I really do. Um and I'm <laughs> Evie really gave us such a crash course in doing all sorts of things to be be a parent, you know. Yeah. Um I feel like we could literally look after anyone now. <laughs> And I mean that in the nicest way. I, I love that. That's that that is my calling. I don't think nursing was my calling at all, but it led me to be able to care for Evie the way I did. And I, I feel like that definitely is my calling is to look after my children, yeah. <laughs> no matter what their needs are. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming in. Oh, thank you for having me again. It's so nice to meet you in person this time. <laughs> As I opened with, you know, Evie's story, I think, has touched so many people's lives. And the arrival of Raya, I think, has brought real... I think everybody just wants you to, you and Ross, to find comfort in this next chapter. You've you've just experienced something that... Many of us, many of us, many of us have taken such inspiration from. I am so lucky (laughs) that I get to sit with you and listen to you and hear your story. I'm so grateful that it is in person today instead of over crappy Zoom. (laughs) Yeah, with really bad legs. (laughs) (laughs) Like it was before. Um, You've done, keep, you, you, you know what you've done. You know what you've done for the Down Syndrome community. You know what you've done for parents of any child that has any sort of challenge. Mm-hmm. You know what you've done. And stay brilliant. Yeah, thank you. And stay talking as much as you choose to. Yeah, yeah. As much as you choose to. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I want to say a huge thank you to Brana for letting us into her world. If you want to share any feedback, get in touch at Stretchmarks Podcast or with our guest at Shouting Evie's Worth on Instagram. And I'll talk to you again next week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.